Happy Resurrection Sunday! We're so glad you tuned in to the Way Family Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to join us in person every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can also find us online at wayfamily.church. Happy Easter! Recently celebrating Good Friday, the, the, the resurrection, which is today. He is risen, amen? This is the pinnacle of our faith as Christians. And millions of people just recognize this an event that they cannot be ignored. And it's amazing. And it's something that's so beautiful. We celebrate it every year. In fact, for Christians, Christmas and Easter is like, that's it, right? <laughs> Those are the, the, the big events for the year. Nevertheless, because of Jesus' resurrection, we rejoice. We're able to live. We are able to share in the resurrection ourselves. And we, we do this every week. And so today, I just want to welcome you. Thank you for coming. We're happy that you're uh, here with us at Way Family Church. And with that, what I want to do is I, I want to take you to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at the account of the resurrection according to Matthew. That's chapter 28. If you have your Bibles, uh, open to Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles in the back for you to take home. They're yours. It's our gift to you. Uh, so Matthew chapter 28, what I'm trying to accomplish today is I want to answer three questions. One, what is the resurrection? What does it matter? And what does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with you? That's my goal for today. And so we want to look at the account of uh, Matthew or the account of the resurrection according to Matthew. And by the way, all four of the gospels right of this and all four of them have different details about the resurrection but i'm choosing to go into matthew for today so with that let's go ahead and read matthew it says this now after the sabbath toward dawn of the first day of the week mary magdalene and the other mary went to see the tomb and behold there was a great earthquake for an angel of the lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb. With fear and great joy, they and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. When, then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. When they heard they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell the people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time together. Lord, we are just so overwhelmed that we are just really celebrating your resurrection. And Lord, thank you, Father, for that power. Thank you, Lord, that death could not hold you down. And so today we celebrate that. We acknowledge you, Lord Jesus, as the risen King, as risen Lord. Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive from your word today, that today we would not go home the same, that we would be transformed by your word and the reality that you live, and you live for eternity. So today, Lord, we lift your name on high. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So I think that you would agree with me that many believe that there's not a single individual who's impacted history more than Jesus Christ. Would you agree to that? I don't think that anybody else in the world has had the impact that Christ has, that, has had. Jesus was not only, the res, uh, his impact was not just the result of his life, it's actually also the result of the way that he died and the fact that he rose. And that's a big deal. In fact, this is a big problem for a lot of people, you would say. And as we read the passage here, some had to come up with a cover story because this is something that is just seriously unbelievable. Why? Because these kind of things don't happen, Right? It takes a very special situation for this to happen, and that's exactly what we have. We have Christ. See, Jesus, his impact on the world, and because of the resurrection, it's amazing. Think about this. Think about this. Today we're here. It's 2022. No other person has impacted history to the point where time had to start over because of this guy, right? This guy split time into two different eras, B.C., and A.D. B.C. meaning before Christ. Huh, that's interesting. And A.D. meaning Ado Domino, which is the year of the Lord. Because the resurrection is what validifies Jesus as Lord. For he had been walking around and talking to, about himself so often. He kept saying, if you see me, if you know me, you know the Father, right? I am the Father in one. And the Pharisees kept accusing him of blasphemy. That's blasphemy! And they, they were angered by this testimony of Jesus. Nevertheless, he goes and he says, he predicts his death several times. And every time he predicts his death, he says, but I'll be back. Right? Something like that. Not really, right? <laughs> and sure enough, just as Jesus predicted it, On the third day, we see that the tomb is empty. And so that's the resurrection. We're going to dive dive into this a little bit more. But here's the thing, and I I want us to really consider this. If Jesus didn't rise, all of this would be meaningless. Think about that. If Jesus was a teacher, he could have been a great teacher, could have been a great prophet, let's say, as many believe that he was. A lot of people just can't deny because there's such historical evidence for his presence, right, in his life. But if he didn't rise, if he did not overcome death, then Christianity would be for granted. It really would be. That is what makes Christianity. That's what makes us believers of, and, and worshipers of Jesus because of this miracle that only Jesus could do and perform. And so with that, I want to go into Matthew a little bit slower. Now see what happened is we asked for a cooler room and we didn't realize that it'd be like a hurricane in here with all the wind. <laughs> so my pages keep flipping. 
I want to go into Matthew just a little bit slower. And I want to really consider this resurrection. This is the resurrection. Death could not hold the one whom created life. Think about this. Let's go into verse 1 again. It says, now after the Sabbath. The Sabbath, when is that? This is Saturday, right? Uh, That's Saturday, after the Sabbath, which means Sunday, right? And it says there, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, that Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Check this out. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. Try Try to imagine that. With all the like, special graphics that we have in movies today, maybe you can, right? But imagine these people who had never seen anything, anything close to that. This is the best description that we can have. His image was like lightning. Wow. I'm, I'm really just trying to wrap my head on that. And, and his clothing was white as snow. And in verse, says, uh, verse 4 says, And for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, this is interesting because that's a typical response to the divine encounter. When you have a divine encounter, you, you, you die. It's like you die. It's like, wow, here's God. What am I supposed to do? Right? In fact, in Revelation 1.17, John has a very similar experience when the Lord himself revealed it to him. And he said, when I saw him, I fell at my feet. I, I fell at his feet. I was like a dead person. So if you can just imagine, you see something like lightning come down, right? Clothing's like something you've never seen. The best thing you have is white as snow. What do you do? <laughs> right? And so we have this very amazing picture of what's going on. And one thing that I just want to point out is that, um, that the resurrection is a, is a big deal because death here couldn't hold Jesus down. Like, I, I want to really consider this. We're... We have a picture of a couple of women. Actually, there's a few women who go to the grave. Why? Because on the Sabbath, they couldn't do anything. Jesus died Friday night. Remember that? And so what they did is they wrapped him in cloth and they laid him in the tomb. And so what they had decided was, we're going to go back after the Sabbath. For the Sabbath is the day of rest. We don't do any kind of work. And we're going to go back and we're going to treat his body. We're going to do everything. We're going to have a proper burial. Because Jesus didn't even have that proper burial. He was taken down from the cross, and this man named Joseph of Arimathea said, Hey, Pilate, can I have the body? If you don't mind, I'll lay him on my tomb. Pilate says, Sure, go ahead. And so they, oh, that's all they did. They just wrapped him up and laid him there. And so these women come to the grave expecting to find a dead person, right? They had forgotten everything that Jesus had said. And so they get there, and instead they see something that they can't, they're having a hard time describing, and their response is like, they're dying, you know what I mean? And, and, and where is Jesus? Well, let me tell you this. The resurrection is Jesus is alive. He is not dead. The, the, the grave couldn't hold him. And I want to make that point clear. Death couldn't hold the one whom all things were made. Remember this. Remember in 1 John? says, in the beginning was the Word, referring to Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made through Him that had been made, and nothing that was made was made without Jesus. And so check this out. We're talking about Christ, the author of life Himself, and death has come to Him. Wait, what? The author of life has died? That's impossible. Well, yeah, the guy who makes life cannot be held down by death. In fact, John 1, 3 says this, 
all things were made through him. And without him was nothing made that has been made. Look, check this out. In him was life. And, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Have you ever been in a pitch dark room? You turn on a little light and that's all it takes. All the eyes go there. All of a sudden it gets brighter, it really draws attention and it really cuts darkness, doesn't it? Darkness just cannot overcome light. Death cannot overcome Christ, who is the author of life. And so that's a huge deal. And so we Christians, we don't just believe this because we like the idea of this. We believe this because there's actual evidence for this as well, you know? And so I want to just kind of bring two points of evidence today. Now, there's plenty of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. I'm just going to present two today, okay? And so with that, I want to just uh, take you to uh, the, this passage here. Let's keep reading. And so verse 4, it says, And for the fear of the God, guards, they trembled and they became like dead men. And then verse 5, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. That means Jesus who was killed. All right? Because crucifixion was brutal. You don't survive crucifixion, especially the type of crucifixion that Jesus went through for he was flogged. In fact, the Bible says that he was irrecognizable. That's how badly beat he was. You couldn't even tell that was him when you saw his face. The angel says, I know you're looking for him. And then he says, he's not here for he is risen. Now, I love the Greek word on this. It's egaido. It's a verb meaning to get up. So the angel says, he's not here. He got up. <laughs> Think about that. It's like, what? Wait, this guy who was badly bruised, beaten, cut, and then crucified, nailed to the cross, he got up? He got up. Why? Because that's the kind of power that he has. And so he says, he's not here. He got up, just as he said he would. And then you know, to me, I think about, yeah, he did say that. There's several passages, just even in Matthew, where Jesus says, hey, I, I'm going to be cut. I'm going to die, but I will return on the third day. You know, the temple will be destroyed, but I'll be back. Matthew 16, Matthew 17, Matthew uh, 20, Matthew 26. There's several passages in where Jesus foresees this. And so that's the first line of evidence that I want to present to you is that he got up. He's, the tomb is empty. We have an empty tomb. All right, I'll tell you one thing. Many people, even today, are still looking for the body of Jesus Christ. It's, it's nowhere. It's because it's been risen. It's risen. It got up. And that's the first thing I want to present to you. And so I love what, he, what, it, what it says here. And so he says, come see the place where he lay. You can just imagine him showing him the place, right? And then he says, then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. She says, look, check this out. See the beginning of the next bit of the evidence for this resurrection. Not only did he get up, but then the angel says, you're actually going to see him too. So an empty grave is not enough. Would you agree? We can say, yeah, there's a lot of empty graves. And we know that people actually died and they stayed dead, right? But then the angel says, you're going to see him. Whoa. Now, if I, if I witness someone die, brutally die, 
and then something that I've never seen before tells me, yeah, he's not here, but you're going to see him again. I don't know what kind of reaction I would have. Like, really think about that. It's like seeing a ghost, maybe, right? Like, we have so many different things that kind of, like, zombie-like and whatnot, and so you think the worst. And I would think of a very, like, disturbing-looking Jesus, maybe, because of how he was beaten. This is just my imagination, folks, okay? And so he says, you're going to see him. Um, wow, okay. And so it keeps going. Verse, uh, verse 8. And so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Can you imagine that? With fear and great joy. I would, I would feel the same thing. And they ran to tell the disciples, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. Shalom. What? Think, wow. Okay. And that's the second line of evidence. It's that Jesus was witnessed alive. Okay, we're not just saying that the grave is empty. We're saying people saw him. Same people saw him. Okay, people that you you might think hey, they're maybe they're a little crazy. Well, here's the fact of the matter: it wasn't just a few people, and we'll get we'll get into that a little bit more. There are demonstrably sincere witnesses that testify to the resurrected Christ. They say that they saw him, beginning with these women. They see him. They see the Jesus that was crucified and he says, Shalom. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I hope it's hitting you as, as much as it hits me. Like, I'm thinking about this. Like, this doesn't happen ever, right? However, it happened in this event, but because of who it happened to, it's so much more to rejoice and be glad just as these women expressed themselves. They had joy. And then Jesus uh, it says that, and then they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Why would Jesus say, do not be afraid? <laughs> well, this is a dead man walking, right? <laughs> he says, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they will see me. So I'm not just going to show myself to you. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. I'll, I'll be there. They're, they're going to see me too, because this is just so unbelievable. At this point in the moment, I would say that if any of these women just went and Jesus never appeared to anybody again, their testimony would never have been validated at all. Why? Because women didn't have that kind of luxury back then. In fact, the fact that we read that these women were the first to, to witness Christ and it was written, that's a big benefit right here. And it means a lot because Jesus chose to reveal himself to them first, right? But if, if he did not say go, and tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee, and if that was the end of it, I don't know if many people would have believed their testimonies here. Are you, are you following? And so check this out. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 5, Paul kind of gives us a little hint as to who witnessed Jesus, and it says this. this is a, 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 consider this list of people. It says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also receive that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than how many? 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. He's saying this. So in the time that he's writing this, Paul's saying most of these 500 people that witnessed Jesus are still alive. Then he says, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Consider this list of witnesses. Okay. 
over 500 people, the 12 apostles, and Paul and these women. This is a problem for those who have a problem with the resurrected Christ. Because how do you silence this? You consider these witnesses, consider these apostles. These men, these women were willing to die for this because they witnessed it. They saw it. No one could bribe them not to proclaim the truth because they also had a relationship with Christ. They knew him. They walked with him. They, they heard him. They learned from him. But somehow, however, you saw earlier, did take a bribe, right? They did kind of change the story around. And why is that? Here's the thing. The gain of wealth and safety was enough to keep them silent. And today, many of us still kind of have that experience. We're too worried about getting ourselves in trouble because of what we believe, what we proclaim. We're too worried about the cost of following Christ. We're too worried about changing our lives for the sake of him. And so what do we do? We retreat. We come up with a story. And so this is what happens with these guards. It says in verse 11, while they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and they told all the chief priests that had what had taken place. And so they're testifying to what happened. And they said, and, and here's the thing that I want to point out. It says some of them, not all of them. All right. And so this is probably why we have this account, because not all of them took that bribe. Some of them knew what they saw and they just couldn't handle that, the just lying about it. However, some of the guards, they went and they took the bribe. And when they assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave them a sufficient sum of money and to, to keep them quiet to the soldiers. And they said, tell the people this. His disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. Now, remember the safeguard? Now, if you look back a little bit on your Bibles in verse 62, there's a guard of the temple. The Pharisees say, hey, 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 Jesus said that he would die and he would rise again. So just to make sure, because we're pretty sure that someone's going to try to like pull a fast one on us. Why don't we set up a guard, Pilate? Would that be OK? And why don't we seal the tomb, the tombstone? Would that be OK? Pilate says, yeah, just do whatever you need to do. And so there is a guard, a, a Roman guard. And trust me, the Pharisees would have picked very qualified people to guard this tomb. This was a big deal for them. And they put a seal. So if you can imagine just a hot wax seal right there to make sure that nobody touches this. And so this, 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 this tomb was very well guarded, right? And so now we have a problem because when a Roman soldier is assigned to guard anything or anybody, if they lose their assignment, if that person that they're guarding dies or gets away, or if the thing that they're guarding, guarding disappears, guess what their penalty is? It's, it's the penalty of whoever the prisoner was, or even up to death. This could cost them their lives. And so these guys go to, to the leaders and they say, okay, you're giving me money and you're giving me safety? Yeah, I'll take it because the alternative is I die. I, I wasn't able to guard this tomb. I, I, I don't even know what happened. I'm trying to explain it. I'm trying to really just figure this out, but I'll take this, right? This, 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 this thing to keep me out of trouble. And that's what it says here. And it says, you will tell them that you just fell asleep. And then 14, and if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Yes probably thinking relief here, right? So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now that makes sense to me. They're offered safety and riches. And so for them, that was enough. And guess what? These guys didn't know Jesus. 
They had no idea what was going on. They had just seen him die. And then the fact that he was resurrected and they saw this thing like a lightning bolt, you know, come down and open the grave. How do you, how do you reconcile that? And so for them, this, is, this was just like an easy way out. And so that's the event of the resurrection. I gave you two small bits of evidence, but there's a lot more. And if you want to research this more, I, I encourage you to look up Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ. And there's a lot more resources and just different uh, work that people have done in regards to the resurrection of Jesus. It, the evidence is overwhelming. And the other bit of evidence is that that life that Jesus has also lives in us today and many millions can testify to that now why why does this matter to answer the question i want to go to first peter first peter 1 chapter 1 3 to 9 it says this blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance that is unperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result and praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith of the salvation of your souls. This is why it matters, because the resurrection, <laughs> the outcome of that is salvation for us. We're trusting someone who has the power of life and not just life, life, eternity, life with the Father, the, po the power to reconcile us to our Creator, to God. And so Peter here is expressing his gratitude to, to God for his salvation through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection matters because it caused us to be born again to a living hope. Without this resurrection, what is our hope? Think about that. What do we hope for? Like what, after you die, what happens? There's a lot of, lot of things, a lot of possibilities, right? But the creator of heaven and earth has been gracious to us to reveal what happens. And he says, hey, only through me can you see the Father, right? Can you be and dwell with the Father? And Jesus is the one, the only one who qualifies to be Savior because he has the power of resurrection, the power of life. A hope to be inherited. That is insane. Think about that. A hope of inheritance. So it is, this isn't it. If you think this is life, this is, this is just a little bit of life compared to eternity. There's a hope of inheritance that will last forever that is pure and perfect and complete. Because of the resurrection, we may abound in hope, be filled with joy and peace. It is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead that lives in us. Think about that. We have that power. We have that Holy Spirit. It was power that was promised to us since the book of Acts. In Romans 8, 11, it says this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to you, mortal bodies. Give life to your mortal bodies. Though his spirit who dwells is in you, or through the spirit who dwells is in you. Sorry, I can't read my writing here. 
This means that we also experience resurrection because of the resurrection of Jesus. This is why it matters. This is why it's a big deal. And, and I love this, this, this verse here in verse 6. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. Although Christians will receive their inheritance with joy when Christ is revealed, we may face suffering and trials in this life, wouldn't we? Haven't you already experienced that? And so we're told here, just though for a little while, things could be hard. There's going to be trials. We're going to be grieved by various things. But this is just a little while compared to the glory and eternity with, with Jesus Christ. Amen? And so it continues to say, so that the tested, uh, uh, the tested genuineness of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Faith that remains true in the face of suffering is more valuable than anything else. Don't you agree? This is Peter saying, this is Peter, a man who witnessed the resurrected Jesus. And he's saying, hey, these, these, these things, these trials, this life is really going to test you. But stay strong. There's a reward ahead of us. And that's eternal glory. And so the outcome of our faith in the resurrection is, is our salvation. That's why it matters. And then finally... What does it have to do with me? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 28. And I love this. It says in verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, so they also have the honor of witnessing him here, there, here, here now. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. It says, but some doubted. Well, that's interesting. I looked that up. Like, how can you doubt what you're looking at? And this word doubt in the Greek is used to imply hesitation or indecision rather than unbelief. It's not doubted like I don't believe what I'm seeing. It's doubted like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now because I, I, it's, too, it's too good to be true. Have you ever had that? You know, it's like something's actually happening and you're doubting. It's like, is this real life? You know, this is the kind of reaction that the disciples had. And verse 18 says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this is why it matters to you now, guys. This is what it has to do with you. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The resurrection is the ultimate validation of Jesus' divine authority. No one else has had this kind of impact. No one else can say, hey, all authority has been given to me, right? No one else has had this kind of um, experience, let's say, where he's resurrected or brought back from the dead, and it's through his own power. And I want to share something with you here in just a second that is just well said about how he validates himself, Jesus Christ does. And so Jesus delivers the Great Commission. This is what we see here. That is for you. That's what it has to do for you. You as believers, you're not just to sit around and do nothing. You are to go and fulfill the Great Commission. And that looks very different for everyone, right? It doesn't look the same for everyone. Nevertheless, you know, if we have trusted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have been saved. That means to be declared righteous before God. And we have been saved from the judgment of God, but we have also been saved to good works. That's the other thing we need to do. We have been saved to good works as the workmanship of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So nothing you can do can actually get you saved. However, 
It says, not a result of work, so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this resurrection should prompt us to do something about it, to do what the apostles did. His, hey, check this out. He is risen. Amen? And so that's what we are called to do. That's what Jesus is, is commanding us to do, is to go and make disciples. Because Jesus overcame death, this responsibility is given to us is serious, right? Jesus himself tells us to go and do this. And so <clears throat> I want to close with this. It's a quote that I want to share uh, from you for, from um, Daniel Webster. Daniel Webster was uh, a congressman and secretary of state back in early American history. And he says something very, I think, profound. I think it makes perfect sense and it was very well said. So I want to read this to you and I want you to think about this, all right, about Jesus Christ. Daniel Webster says this, Nearly 2,000 years ago, in an obscure village, a child was born of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked as a carpenter until he was 30. Then for three years, he became an itinerant preacher. This man never went to college or seminary. He never wrote a book. He never held public office. He never had a family nor owned a home. He never put his foot inside a big city nor traveled even 200 miles from his birthplace. And though he never did any of these things that usually accompany greatness, throngs of people followed him. He had no credentials but himself. While he was still young, the tide of public opinion turned against him. His followers ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of trial. He was sentenced to death on a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, and that was the simple coat he had worn. His body was laid in a borrowed grave, grave provided by a friend. But three days later, this man arose from the dead, living proof that he was as he had claimed, the Savior whom God had sent, the incarnate Son of God. This resurrection is the proof that validates him as the incarnate Son of God. 19 centuries, actually when he wrote it was 19, now it's 20 centuries have come and gone, and today the risen Lord Jesus is the central figure of the human race. On our calendars, his birth divides history in two eras. One day of the week is set aside in remembrance of him, and our two most important holidays celebrate his birth and resurrection. Think about that. On church steeples around the world, his cross has become the symbol of victory over sin and death. This one man's life has furnished the theme for more songs, more books, poems, and paintings than any other person or event in history. Thousands of colleges, hospitals, Orphanages and other institutions have been founded in honor, in honor of this one who gave his life for us. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the governments that ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned, 
have not changed the course of history as much as this one solitary life. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because he lives. If he did not resurrect, none of this would have mattered. And so I rejoice, my heart really rejoice in the power of the resurrection and that it matters. It matters for eternity, amen? And so with that, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. I want you to think about this, how over the centuries, millions have found new life, new life and forgiveness from sins. Think about that. And peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you, have you experienced that? Can you say, yeah, I've been brought back to life. I've experienced that resurrection power. Have you been, have you experienced that forgiveness of sin that only Christ can offer? If not, I encourage you to come and know him. Today, he offers his life to all who believe in him. He says this of himself, and think about this, really. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He also says that he that hears my word and believes in him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death to life. See, Jesus is giving us the prescription here to glory, to forgiveness, to new life. And he, he's it. He says, no man can come to the Father except through me. So let's just really humble our hearts right now and come to the Lord and, and talk to him. Lord, thank you so much for this time together where we just have the opportunity, the privilege to come and hear of your word and really think deeply about the significance of the resurrection. Lord, I ask that you would move deeply into our hearts, that you would beckon us to yourself, that we would really understand how to be saved, and that's just through you. And so, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us. Lord, we trust you and we want you to be Lord over our lives. Lord, help us, Lord Jesus, walk according to your word, that we will reflect you well, Father. That when the end of time comes, you, we would hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We give you all honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.